Good morning. I'm Dave Grant, host of Let the Bible Speak. That's how we start every program, and that's what we were going to try to do a minute ago. We were actually going to try to show you the new opening television program. Shining Jesus, light of the world, shine upon us. Set us free by the truth you now bring us. Shine on me, shine on me. Shine, Jesus, shine. recently went through a process to come up with a new opening because they're going to begin showing our program in HD. Um, I'm a little nervous about that. Uh, it's going to make me look like I really look. Um, <laughs> it won't be kind of cloudy so that they can't really see uh, how I look, but uh, we're excited about it from the standpoint that we get to use the song that we've always used as long as Bonnie and I have been involved. And the new open is fresh, it's new, uh, it's exciting, and we are reaching out to people who have families right now. A lot of, over the years, our primary audience has always been the older folks. And uh, I think it was because of my dad, because my dad was always older than me. And uh, <laughs> I can't remember ever thinking of my dad as a young man. He was always an old man. And uh, he was on the program and that attracted an audience. And the reason I got involved in the program is he needed a little help because I was uh, in the area and his health was bad. So he said, just cover for me for a couple weeks. So I did. And I've been on for 25 years now. So uh, that couple weeks got extended quite a bit. But it, it attracted a younger audience. So when Jim showed up in the UP about 15 years ago, 16 years ago, I saw a younger man, and I said, wow, so he's been helping me ever since he got to the UP in Marquette, and uh, so we're co-hosts on the program. It's been on for 40 years altogether. This is our 40th year, and we're very excited about it. Uh, things are always changing and always happening. Um, we have some TV viewers visiting and looking at us at our worship services and our Bible studies. Uh, we do hand out Bibles free of charge, Bible correspondence courses. So it, it's an exciting outreach in the Upper Peninsula. But you can have the same benefit by going to your uh, computer, uh, going online, and all of our sermons, all of our TV program lessons are uploaded to our webpage, letthebiblespeak.net. So I hope you'll take a, an opportunity to look at those. Um, it's been a long time. I think Roger said 19 years ago we were in Mackinac. 17 years ago we were in Mackinac. 
your congregation reached out to us and said, why don't you join us for our camping trip? So two of our families, which was just about most of the church, <laughs> it was early on, and uh, you invited us to come over there. We did. We were blessed. And as a result, our relationship, the financial support that you've provided for the TV program has been so appreciated. You are probably one of the elite supporters, the most reliable, faithful. I feel like you're in this with me. Sometimes we, we get gifts from people that we don't really know, but I know you, and it feels so good to be back here, and thank you for this opportunity to speak to you today. I want to warn you up front that I am not a professionally trained minister. I don't have a Bible degree from a, an established university. Um, I never wanted to be a preacher. It was the last thing in the world I ever wanted to do. I grew up as the son of a preacher. And I saw how hard my dad struggled as a preacher. I saw the, the fusses he had with churches at different times and attitudes. And, and I said, there's no way. I was going to be faithful to the church. I was going to be the song leader. I was going to be the Bible school teacher, but I didn't want to be the preacher. Um, so I'm not professionally trained. And early on, about 25 years ago, when I just first started, um, I heard a story about a preacher who uh, got up and did his lesson, and afterwards a young boy came up and gave him a dollar. The preacher says, well, thank you. And he says, what's that for? And he says, well, our Sunday school teacher said we should give to the poor. <laughs> and my dad says, you're the poorest preacher we've ever had. <laughs> that's where I was, and that's how I felt. So I reach out to a TV audience that can relate to me, who doesn't have to be polished, but just shares from the heart what is going on in his life, how the Bible helps him through that, and because of that, we've been on for 40 years. My dad had the similar attitude. Now, the lesson that we have today, shall we look for another? The Bible reading today, many of you will remember, John the Baptist was sitting in jail because of his strength of commitment for doing what is right. And he starts wondering, well, I'm in jail, and I was doing what was right. I, I know that sometimes bad things happen in our lives too, and we, we wonder, but I'm doing what is right. And so from that, he hears about Jesus. His ministry is continuing to grow. And he sends a messenger. Shall we look for another? Or are you really the one? And you know what? I realized that happens to us on a regular basis in our lives where we have insecurities or doubts. In fact, what I have is a short lesson for you that will hit your life and the lives of your family. And hopefully will encourage you to look at what God has revealed in his word so that the insecurities fall away and the faith gets stronger. 
These are the kind of messages I share with our TV audience because I know people are struggling. I know people have insecurities. And so I share my insecurities. And I think that's important that preachers be willing to say it's who I am. And I am a work in progress just like everyone else. So I want to share a story about a young mother who recently asked me a question. Recently is not too long ago. So it's still on my heart and mind. She asked me a question. She says, how can we be sure to raise our kids in such a way that they won't rebel later and turn away from the Lord? Has anybody ever wondered about that? Ha! Huh. Everybody in this room who has a family has been concerned about the long-term faithfulness of their family because we know what the security is in the body of Christ. And there are so many distractions in our world. This young mother had two little girls, really little. One's four and one's two. Their aunt is living with a man out of wedlock, has had a baby out of wedlock already, and now is pregnant again. And the kids just love their aunt. And this young mother is saying, but if they grow to admire her, they're going to pick up her lifestyle. They're going to see that and, and realize, well, this is somebody I love. It's got to be okay. How do I teach my children to love someone and yet at the same time guard against? And all I could hear through this whole question was insecurity about, well, am I doing it right? Am I teaching my children properly? I want them to be faithful. I want them to be happy. I want them to be eternal with the Father. So I wrote my answer to her because I found that I don't always say what I want to say. And so I wrote it, and then I reread it, and I rewrote it, and then I reread it again, and I rewrote it again. I just want to read it to you because I think this will hit you where you live too. It hit me where I live. I told this young mother, I believe you need to be honest, transparent, and trustworthy with your children. There's a straightforward answer. That's just the way I am, you know. You've got to be honest. That's a lifestyle that God doesn't approve of. You've got to be honest. Now remember, they're four and two. How much they can understand that. She's planning ahead before they become teenagers. So I said, remember, you're not the one who makes the garden grow. You work the soil, you plant, you weed, you water, you nurture, but God makes it grow. There are some plants that shouldn't be weeded until they're tall and strong enough so they won't be pulled up with the weeds. Now, this came at a very appropriate time because all of my mind, I'm thinking, what day am I going to be able to plant my garden? And... The young mother knows this. I talk about it on TV all the time. I use it as an example with my family. And so I learned a long time ago not to pull those weeds when those things are just popping out of the ground because I end up pulling up my, my nice little plants. And I tried to get her to see the importance of 
helping her children grow strong enough and tall enough before she starts pulling all these weeds out. Make sure they can handle it so they're going to grow as a garden grows. Your involvement in the weeding and nurturing of your little children must be measured too. You mentioned your older child in your question because you probably realize the youngest one has limited understanding at this time. I believe your role would be to work your garden every day. Don't let the weeds get away from you or they begin to rob the plants of nourishment and possibly choke them out. That's the spirit of rebellion. You would be best served to be honest that sexual immorality and makes God very sad. And I put it in parentheses. Um, I'm sure you'll figure out a way to talk to a four-year-old about sexual immorality. Anything that makes God unhappy, we can, we can grasp that. Sexual immorality? I'm trying to make sense of sexual immorality in our congregation at home. Because I know what the world is teaching, and everybody has a different idea of what sexual identity, sexual morality... Everybody has something, and so everybody's distracted by, well, what really is it, according to God? So I said, if we do anything sexually that is outside of what God has revealed as his design for our lives is immoral. I tried to just boil it down to the simplest thing I can do. So if you're doing something in your life, or you're contemplating something in your life, that is not the express design that God has revealed for our lives. It's immoral. And we need to be honest with our children and our families. And then, of course, my last paragraph wraps up, okay, but then we, are we just going to tell the ant to go fly a kite? We're not going to have anything to do with her anymore? No. We need to teach them to love. Um, Teach your children to love and trust mom and dad and God. By learning to trust mom and dad, goes back to my first sentence, we need to be honest with them. They have, we have to be trustworthy for our children to learn to trust us. And that's how they learn to trust God, is by learning to trust us. It's a growing process, little plants growing. So let's start with ourselves. Being trustworthy, honest, and loving in such a way that it's the true love that Jesus showed to us. Jesus never condoned any of the evil choices that we've made in our lives. And I, I say that openly because I've lived long enough to know we've all made some really bad errors of judgment at some point or another. I've never met a perfect person yet in any of the churches I've spoke at. And when I share that message on TV, I also know that those people know that they've made some decisions that were not good. Jesus loved us in spite of that, but he didn't love what we did. So I explained, you need to teach your children that love is a choice to only want the best for another person. That's what love is. So can we love without admiring the fruitless deeds of darkness? By all means. And that's what we need to just, let's be honest. Let's open up and tell the truth. We love 
people and we choose to do what is only best for them and we just don't admire the things that they've chosen to do. Now, I have not gotten the feedback yet. She got my letter and she said, uh, I've gone through that and I think I need to go through it about a hundred more times. This is an ongoing process. This is life. And as a Christian, do we want a faithful family? Do we want our children to grow to know the Lord and trust the Lord? Well, then we actually have to begin to be trustworthy ourselves. So insecurity is a big thing. And I thought, well, you know, I'm helping this young mother who's insecure. I'm helping someone else who's insecure about their knowledge of the Bible. I, and that's my role. I'm the helper to get people to not be insecure. So then my wife asked me a question the other day. Does it ever bother you that our church is so small? And she knew exactly what to ask to make me insecure. <laughs> yeah, it bothers me. I said, oh, no, no. I'm doing the Lord's will. And I cited passages where men stood alone and did the Lord's will and, and blessings came from it. But ultimately, I was insecure. Should I expect another? I had the same insecurity that John the Baptist had. I think I'm doing it right. But it's not growing the way I expect it to grow. So... I decided to get secure, to quit being insecure. And so I looked at two examples in, uh, in our Bibles. And uh, the first one was uh, Peter was insecure. Do you remember when Peter was walking on the water? I mean, the Bible clearly says he walked on the water toward Jesus. That was one of my dad's favorite sermons. He says, don't give Peter a hard time for sinking. He walked on water. The other guys didn't get out of the boat. It's true. He walked on water. And we can walk on water with Jesus. But you know, the distractions in this world, the winds, the waves, there's a lot out there. There's health concerns. There's marital relationships. There's children. There's just so many possibilities for taking our eyes off Jesus. In fact, when I think about the question, does it bother you that the church is so small? Now, Wednesday night is probably our strongest. That's our family night, and we're, they're a committed group of people, and, and I'm encouraged every Wednesday night. But then on Sunday morning, there's a lot of people that don't come to the Bible class to, to grow, and it kind of makes me insecure. It's, well, maybe I'm not offering the right kind of Bible class. Or maybe I'm... And so the insecurity there is something I need to deal with because I'm watching the winds and the waves and I'm wondering, should I be doing this? Am I doing this right? Well, I think of Peter getting out of the boat. And I say, okay, I've gotten out of the boat. Let me keep my eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12 one through three is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And if you have your Bible handy and you want to open it there, 
He's talking to me and my insecurities. He's talking to you and your insecurities and telling us how we can step above it. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Hebrews 11 tells us all about some heroes of faith, and we love that chapter. And Now he's saying, since we're surrounded by this kind of faith in the brotherhood, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I haven't lost heart. I've gotten weary. There are times that I just wonder, 25 years and this is what we got to show for it? And I, I'm distracted by the waves and the wind. And I need to fix my eyes on Jesus and what he has done and what he's doing in the lives of people around me. I continue to walk at Walmart just about seven days a week every morning because I'm out with people. And I get stopped and I talk and I, I know all the employees and it's, it's my ministry by walking around. I'm out with the people, and I may touch a life that I may never see come to fruition. But I'm touching lives for Jesus. Another character I'd like to share with you is Elijah. There's a story in 1 Kings 18 and 19. I think I've got the scripture if you want to write it down. Um, Elijah, 1 Kings 18 and 19. And this is a wonderful story. Uh, there is such triumph here. It, it's so exciting. And we've done stories on Wednesday nights and vacation Bible schools about the contest on Mount Carmel and how Elijah was told by God to go. It's time for the drought to be over. It's time for the famine to stop. I'm going to send rain. And so he calls Ahab together and he goes up with the prophets of Baal. Israel is now worshiping other gods. And there's going to be a contest between Baal and God. And Elijah's orchestrating it through the uh, vision from God and the, the messages from God. And uh, you know the story, how they, they prepare a sacrifice and, and uh, the prophets of Baal are praying and they're, they're on their knees and they're shouting to Baal and they want Baal to bring down fire from heaven and consume their sacrifice. Nothing happens. And at noon, Elijah starts, uh, I guess you could say taunting, or I love it, um, because he starts kind of poking fun at them. Well, maybe you should shout louder. And they go all the way till the time of the evening sacrifice, and there's no rain from Baal. Verses 18 and 19, or excuse me, um, verses 11 through 13 of chapter 19. 
Um, I do want to read that. It's in the Old Testament, way back toward the beginning of your Bible, 1 Kings 19. This is uh, 11. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Now, Baal, of course, is not a god, and nothing happened. Our God consumed Elijah's sacrifice in a powerful way. And so many times we want God to work in a powerful way in our lives to take away our insecurities. But he had... Elijah stand there on a mountain and he said, well, there's the, the earthquake. It's powerful. But it wasn't, God wasn't in the earthquake. The wind. God wasn't in the wind. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And this is what I love. After the fire, there was a gentle whisper. That was God. Are we listening to his whisper today? He may not be in the big, flashy churches. He may not be in the signs and wonders that we hear about and read about in many of the church denominations. But he's still whispering to us today. He's still telling us, I haven't left you. And when we come together and encourage one another, it's God who's working through that to let our insecurities kind of just fall away. I know my God is alive. There is, beyond the azure blue, a God. And then finally, I, I want you to consider for a moment how John the Baptist must have felt when, in fact, he's in jail and he hasn't received any confirmation that you're doing good, John. You, you're right on target. So he gets confirmation from Jesus in the message that comes back when he says, shall we look for another? Shall we expect another? John is insecure. So Jesus gives him something to allay his fears. His response was the blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed or cured, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor have good news preached to them. Praise God, that's still happening today. When you go to Nicaragua, you're going to touch lives, and people who are not given the opportunity to hear the gospel message will hear it. When I get on TV or Jim gets on TV on Sunday morning and somebody doesn't even know who Jesus has never been to church before, don't know anything about this world. When we talk to them on their level and just share from our heart the concerns we have, well then in fact, the good news is preached to the poor in spirit today too, through the TV ministry and everything that you're doing here. So as I look at this, I, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged when I come here. I thank you for your, someone, I think it was Javier, told me last night, he says, I'm your older brother. 
He's about six months older than I am. I'm your older brother. And uh, when I think of that, I, I like that. I like to know I've got somebody to rely on. I love the encouraging nature of your minister. For the 17 years I've known him, he has been such an encouragement to me. And each one of you, in, I have more contact with Roger and Javier and Gary than maybe I have with some of you. It's just not possible because I'm not here. But you are such an encouragement to me. And you help those insecurities kind of fall away. Because I know my God is still whispering to me, you're not alone. 